Welcome to the doctrine of justification by faith through the imputation of the righteousness of Christ, explained, confirmed, and vindicated by Dr. John Owen. We will be continuing to read from page 90 for this reading. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more at great discounts, are on the web at www.swrb.com. Also, please consider, pray, and act upon the important truths found in the following quotation by Charles Spurgeon. As the Apostle says to Timothy, so also he says to everyone, Conditio, in the best Latin writers, is variously used, answering catastasis, 2K, axia, itia, suntheke, in the Greek, that is, non-English words. In which of these significations it is here to be understood is not easy to be determined. In common use among us, it sometimes denotes the state and quality of men, that is, catastasis and axia, and sometimes a valuable consideration for what is to be done, that is, itia, or suntheke. But herein it is applied unto things in great variety. Sometimes the principal procuring, purchasing cause is so expressed, as the condition whereon a man lends another a hundred pounds is that he be paid it again within interest. The condition whereon a man conveys his land unto another is that he receives so much money for it. So, a condition is a valuable consideration. And sometimes it signifies such things as are added to the principal cause, whereon its operation is suspended. As a man bequeaths a hundred pounds unto another, on condition that he come or go to such a place to demand it. This is no valuable consideration, yet is the effect of the principal cause, or the will of the testator, suspended thereon, and as unto degrees of respect unto that whereof anything is a condition as to purchase, procurement, valuable consideration, necessary presence, the variety is endless. We therefore cannot obtain a determinate sense of this word condition, but from a particular declaration of what is intended by it, wherever it is used. And although this be not sufficient to exclude the use of it from the declaration of the way and manner how we are justified by faith, yet is it so to exclude the impositions of any precise signification of it, any other than is given it by the manner treated of. Without this, everything is left ambiguous and uncertain whereunto it is applied. For instance, it is commonly said that faith and new obedience are the condition of the new covenant. But yet, because of the ambiguous signification and various use of that term, condition, we cannot certainly understand what is intended in the assertion. If no more be intended but that God in and by the new covenant does indispensably require these things of us, that is, the restipulation of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Christ from the dead, 
in order unto his own glory and our full enjoyment of all the benefits of it, it is unquestionably true. But if it be intended that they are such a condition of the covenant as to be by us performed antecedently unto the participation of any grace, mercy, or privilege of it, so as that they should be the consideration and procuring causes of them, that they should be all of them, as some speak, the reward of our faith and obedience, it is most false, and not only contrary to express testimonies of Scripture, but destructive of the nature of the covenant itself, if it be intended that these things, though promised in the covenant and wrought in us by the grace of God, are yet duties required of us in order unto the participation and enjoyment of the full end of the covenant in glory, it is the truth which is asserted. But if it be said that faith and new obedience, that is, the works of righteousness which we do, are so the condition of the covenant, as that whatever the one is ordained of God as a means of, and in order to such or such an end as justification, that the other is likewise ordained unto the same end, with the same kind of efficacy, or with the same respect unto the effect, it is expressly contrary to the whole scope and express design of the apostle on that subject. But it will be said that a condition in the sense intended, when faith is said to be a condition of our justification, is no more but that it is a causa sin qua non, which is easy enough to be apprehended. But yet neither are we so delivered out of uncertainties into a plain understanding of what is intended. For these causa sin quibus non may be taken largely or more strictly and precisely. So are they commonly distinguished by the masters in these arts. Those so-called, in a larger sense, are all such causes in any kind of efficiency or merit as are inferior unto principal causes and would operate nothing without them but in conjunction with them have a real effective influence, physical or moral, into the production of the effect. And if we take a condition to be a causa sin qua non in this sense, we are still at a loss. What may be its use, efficiency or merit, with respect unto our justification? If it be taken more strictly for that which is necessarily present, but has no causality in any kind, not that of a receptive instrument, I cannot understand how it should be an ordinance of God. For everything that he has appointed unto any end, moral or spiritual, has, by virtue of that appointment, either a symbolic instructive efficacy or an active efficiency or a rewardable condensancy with respect unto that end. Other things may be generally and remotely necessary unto such an end, so far as it partakes of the order of natural beings, which are not ordinances of God with respect thereunto, and so have no kind of causality with respect unto it, as it is moral or spiritual. So, the air we breathe is needful unto the preaching of the word, and, consequentially, a causa sin qua non, therefore. But an ordinance of God with a special respect thereunto it is not.
But everything that he appoints unto an especial spiritual end has an efficacy or operation in one or other of the ways mentioned. For they either concur with the principal cause of its internal efficiency or they operate externally in the removal of obstacles and hindrances that oppose the principal cause in its efficiency. And this excludes all causes sin quibus non, strictly so taken from any place among divine ordinances. God appoints nothing for an end that shall do nothing. His sacraments are not arga seimea, but by virtue of his institution do exhibit that grace which they do not in themselves contain. The preaching of the word has a real efficiency unto all the ends of it. So all the graces and duties that he works in us and requires of us, by them all are we made meet for the inheritance of the saints in light. And our whole obedience through his gracious appointment has a rewardable condensancy with respect unto eternal life. Wherefore, as faith may be allowed to be the condition of our justification, if no more be intended thereby, but that it is what God requires of us, that we may be justified. So, to confine the declaration of its use in our justification unto its being the condition of it, when so much as a determinate signification of it cannot be agreed upon, is subservient only unto the interest of unprofitable strife and contention. To close these discourses concerning faith and its use in our justification, some things must yet be added concerning its special object. For although what has been spoken already thereon, in the description of its nature and object in general, be sufficient in general, to state its special object also, yet... There having been an inquiry concerning it, and debate about it, in a peculiar notion and under some special terms, that also must be considered. And that is, whether justifying faith, in our justification, or its use therein, do respect Christ as a king and prophet, as well as a priest, with the satisfaction that as such he made for us, and that in the same manner, and unto the same ends and purposes. And I shall be brief in this inquiry, because it is but a late controversy, and it may be as more of curiosity in its disquisition than of edification in its determination. However, being not that I know of under these terms stated in any public confessions of the Reformed churches, it is free for any to express their apprehensions concerning it. And to this purpose, I say, Number one, faith whereby we are justified in the receiving of Christ, principally respects his person for all those ends for which he is the ordinance of God. It does not, in the first place, as it is faith in general, respect his person absolutely, seeing its formal object as such is the truth of God in the proposition, and not the thing itself proposed. Wherefore, it so respects and receives Christ, as proposed in the promise, the promise itself being the formal object of its assent. Number two, we cannot so receive Christ in the promise as in the act of receiving him to exclude the consideration of any of his offices. 
For as he is not at any time to be considered by us, but as vested with all his offices. So a distinct conception of the mind to receive Christ as a priest, but not as a king or a prophet, is not faith, but unbelief. Not the receiving, but the rejecting of him. Number three. In the receiving of Christ for justification formally, our distinct express design is to be justified thereby and no more. Now, to be justified is to be freed from the guilt of sin or to have all our sins pardoned and to have a righteousness whereby to appear before God so as to be accepted with Him and a right to the heavenly inheritance. Every believer has other designs also wherein he is equally concerned with this as, namely, the renovation of his nature, the sanctification of his person, and ability to live unto God in all holy obedience. But the things before mentioned are all that he aims at or designs in his applications unto Christ, or his receiving of him unto justification. Wherefore, number four, justifying faith in that act or work of it whereby we are justified, respects Christ in his priestly office alone, as he was the surety of the covenant, with what he did in the discharge thereof. The consideration of his other office is not excluded, but it is not formally comprised in the object of faith as justifying. Number five, when we say that the sacerdotal office of Christ, or the blood of Christ, or the satisfaction of Christ, is that alone which faith respects in justification, we do not exclude, yea, we do really include and comprise in that assertion all that depends thereon or concurs to make them effectual unto our justification. As, first, the free grace and favor of God and giving of Christ for us and unto us, whereby we are frequently said to be justified. Romans chapter 3 verse 24, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, Titus chapter 3 verse 7. His wisdom, love, righteousness, and power are of the same consideration as has been declared. Secondly, whatever in Christ himself was necessary antecedently unto his discharge of that office, or was consequential thereof, or did necessarily accompany it. Such was his incarnation, the whole course of his obedience, his resurrection, ascension, exaltation, and intercession. For the consideration of all these things is inseparable from the discharge of his priestly office, and therefore is justification either expressly or virtually assigned unto them also. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 to 16, Romans chapter 4 verse 25, Acts chapter 5 verse 31, Hebrews chapter 7 verse 27, Romans chapter 8 verse 34. But yet, whatever our justification is so assigned unto them, they are not absolutely considered, but with respect unto their relation to his sacrifice and satisfaction. Thirdly, all the means of the application of the sacrifice and righteousness of the Lord Christ unto us are also included therein. Such is the principal efficient cause thereof, which is the Holy Ghost, 
whence we are said to be justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And the instrumental cause thereof on the part of God, which is the promise of the gospel. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Galatians chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. It would, therefore, be unduly pretended that by this assertion we do narrow or straighten the object of justifying faith, as it justifies. For indeed, we assign a respect unto the whole mediatory office of Christ, not excluding the kingly and prophetical parts thereof, but only such a notion of them as would not bring in more of Christ, but much of ourselves unto our justification. And the assertion as laid down may be proved. Parentheses number one. From the experience of all that are justified, or do seek for justification according unto the gospel. For under this notion of seeking for justification, or a righteousness unto justification, they were all of them to be considered, and do consider themselves as hupadikoi to theo, guilty before God, subject, obnoxious, liable unto his wrath and the curse of the law, as we declared in the entrance of this discourse, Romans chapter 3, verse 19. They were all in the same state that Adam was in after the fall, unto whom God proposed the relief of the incarnation and suffering of Christ. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And to seek after justification is to seek after a discharge from this woeful state and condition. Such persons have, and ought to have, other designs and desires also, for whereas the state wherein they are antecedent unto their justification is not only a state of guilt and wrath, but such also as wherein, through the deprivation of their nature, the power of sin is prevalent in them, and their whole souls are defiled. They design and desire not only to be justified, but to be sanctified also. But as unto the guilt of sin, and the want of a righteousness before God, from which justification is the relief. Herein I say, they have respect unto Christ as set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. In their design for sanctification, they have respect unto the kingly and prophetical offices of Christ and their special exercise. But as to their freedom from the guilt of sin and their acceptance with God, or their justification is His sight, that they may be free from condemnation, that they may not come unto judgment, it is Christ crucified. It is Christ lifted up as the brazen serpent in the wilderness. It is the blood of Christ. It is the propitiation that He was and the atonement that He made. It is His bearing their sins. His being made sin and the curse for them. It is His obedience. The end which He put unto sin and the everlasting righteousness which He brought in. That alone their faith does fix upon and acquiesce in. If it be otherwise in the experience of any, I acknowledge that I am not acquainted with it. I do not say that the conviction of sin is the only antecedent condition of actual justification. But this it is that makes a sinner, non-English words. No man, therefore, is to be considered as a person to be justified, but he who is actually under the power of the conviction of sin, with all the necessary consequence thereof. Suppose, therefore, any sinner in this condition, as it is described by the Apostle, Romans chapter 3, guilty before God, with his mouth stopped, 
as unto any pleas, defenses, or excuses. Suppose him to seek after a relief and deliverance out of this estate, that is, to be justified according to the gospel. He neither does nor can wisely take any other course than what he is there directed unto by the same apostle. Verses 20 to 25. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Whence I argue that which a guilty condemned sinner, finding no hope nor relief from the law of God, the sole rule of all his obedience, does betake himself unto by faith that he may be delivered or justified. That is the especial object of faith as justifying. But this is the grace of God alone, through the redemption that is in Christ, or Christ proposed as a propitiation through faith in his blood. Either this is so, or the apostle does not aright guide the souls and consciences of men in that condition wherein he himself does place them. It is the blood of Christ alone, that he directs the faith unto of all them that would be justified before God. Grace, redemption, propitiation, all through the blood of Christ. Faith does peculiarly respect and fix upon. This is that, if I mistake not, which they will confirm by their experience, who have made any distinct observation of the acting of their faith and their justification before God. Parenthesis number two. The scripture plainly declares that faith as justifying respects the sacerdotal office and acting of Christ alone. In the great representation of the justification of the church of old in the expiatory sacrifice, when all their sins and iniquities were pardoned and their persons accepted with God, the acting of their faith was limited unto the imposition of all their sins on the head of the sacrifice by the high priest. Leviticus chapter 16 by his knowledge, that is, by faith in him, shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Isaiah 53, verse 11. That alone which faith respects in Christ, as unto the justification of sinners, is his bearing their iniquities. Guilty, convinced sinners look unto him by faith, as those who were stung by the fiery serpents did to the brazen serpent, that is, as he was lifted up on the cross, John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. So did he himself express the nature and acting of faith in our justification. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 and 25, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. As he is a propitiation, as he shed his blood for us, as we have redemption thereby, he is the peculiar object of our faith with respect unto our justification. See to the same purpose, Romans 
chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. He was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. That which we seek after in justification is a participation of the righteousness of God, to be made the righteousness of God, and that not in ourselves, but in another, that is, in Christ Jesus, and that alone which is proposed unto our faith as the means and cause of it, is His being made sin for us, or a sacrifice for sin, wherein all the guilt of our sins was laid on Him, and He bare all our iniquities. This, therefore, is its peculiar object herein. And wherever in Scripture we are directed to seek for the forgiveness of sins by the blood of Christ, to receive the atonement, to be justified through the faith of Him as crucified, the object of faith in justification is limited and determined. But it may be pleaded in exception unto the testimonies that no one of them does affirm that we are justified by faith in the blood of Christ alone, so as to exclude the consideration of the other offices of Christ, and their acting from being the object of faith in the same manner and unto the same ends, with his sacerdotal office, and what belongs thereunto, or is derived from it. Answer. This exception derives from that common objection against the doctrine of justification by faith alone, namely, that that exclusive term alone is not found in the Scripture, or in any of the testimonies that are produced for justification by faith. But it is replied with sufficient evidence of truth that although the word be not found syllabically used unto this purpose, yet there are acceptive expressions equivalent unto it, as we shall see afterwards. It is so in this particular instance also, for, first, where our justification is expressly ascribed unto our faith in the blood of Christ as the propitiation for our sins, unto our believing in Him as crucified for us, and it is nowhere ascribed unto our receiving of Him as King, Lord, or Prophet, it is plain that the former expressions are virtually exclusive of the latter consideration. Secondly, I do not say that the consideration of the kingly and prophetical offices of Christ is excluded from our justification, as works are excluded in opposition unto faith and grace. For they are so excluded, as there we are to exercise an act of our minds in their positive rejection, as saying, Get you hence, you have no lot nor portion in this matter. But as to these offices of Christ, as to the object of faith as justifying, we say only that they are not included therein. For so to believe to be justified by His blood, as to exercise a positive act of the mind, excluding a compliance with his other offices is an impious imagination. Parenthesis number three. Neither the consideration of these offices themselves nor any of the peculiar acts of them is suited to give the souls and consciences of convinced sinners that relief which they seek after in justification. We are not in this whole cause, to lose out of our eye the state of the person who is to be justified, and what it is he does seek after, and ought to seek after therein. Now, this is pardon of sin, and righteousness before God alone. 
That, therefore, which is no way suited to give or tender this relief unto him, is not, nor can be, the object of his faith, whereby he is justified, in that exercise of it whereon his justification does depend. This relief, it will be said, is to be had in Christ alone. It is true, but under what consideration? For the whole design of the sinner is how he may be accepted with God, be at peace with Him, have all His wrath turned away by a propitiation or atonement. Now, this can no otherwise be done but by the acting of someone towards God and with God on His behalf. For it is about the turning away of God's anger and acceptance with Him that the inquiry is made. It is by the blood of Christ that we are made nigh, who were far off, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. By the blood of Christ we are reconciled who were enemies. Verse 16. By the blood of Christ we have redemption. Romans chapter 3 verse 24 and 25. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, etc. This, therefore, is the object of faith. All the actings of the kingly and prophetical offices of Christ are all of them from God. That is, in the name and authority of God towards us. Not any one of them is towards God on our behalf, so as that by virtue of them we should expect acceptance with God. They are good, blessed, holy in themselves, and of an eminent tendency unto the glory of God in our salvation. Yea, they are no less necessary unto our salvation, to the praise of God's grace, than are the atonement for the sin and satisfaction which He made. For from them is the way of life revealed unto us, grace communicated, our persons sanctified and the reward bestowed. Yea, in the exercise of his kingly power does the Lord Christ pardon and justify sinners. Not that he did as a king constitute the law of justification, for it was given and established in the first promise, and he came to put it in execution. John 3.16 But in the virtue of his atonement and righteousness, imputed unto them, he does both pardon and justify sinners. But they are the acts of his sacerdotal office alone that respect God on our behalf. Whatever he did on earth with God for the church in obedience, suffering, and offering up of himself, whatever he does in heaven, in intercession and appearance in the presence of God for us, it all entirely belongs unto his priestly office. And in these things alone does the soul of a convinced sinner find relief when he seeks after deliverance from the state of sin and acceptance with God. In these, therefore, alone the peculiar object of his faith, that which will give him rest and peace, must be comprised. And this last consideration is, of itself, sufficient to determine this difference. Sundry things are objective against this assertion, which I shall not here at large discuss, because what is materially in any of them will occur on other occasions, where its consideration will be more proper. In general, it may be pleaded that justifying faith is the same with saving faith. Nor is it said that we are justified by this or that part of faith, but by faith in general. That is, as taken essentially for the entire grace of faith, and as unto faith in this sense, not only respect unto Christ and all his offices, but obedience itself also is included in it, as is evident in many places of Scripture. 
Wherefore, there is no reason why we should limit the object of it unto the person of Christ as acting in the discharge of his sacerdotal office with the effects and fruits thereof. Answer number one. Saving faith and justifying faith in any believer are one and the same. And the adjuncts of saving and justifying are but external denominations from its distinct operations and effects. But yet, saving faith does act in a peculiar manner, and is of peculiar use in justification, such as it is not of under any other consideration whatever. Wherefore, number two, although saving faith, as it is described in general, do ever include obedience, not as its form or essence, but as a necessary effect, is included in the cause, and the fruit in the fruit-bearing juice and is often mentioned as to its being and exercise where there is no express mention of Christ, his blood, and his righteousness, but is applied unto all the acts, duties, and ends of the gospel. Yet this proves, not at all, but that, as unto its duty, place, and acting in our justification, it has a peculiar object. If it could be proved that where justification is ascribed unto faith, that there it has any other object assigned unto it, as that which it rested in for the pardon of sin and acceptance with God, this objection were of some force. But this cannot be done. Number three, this is not to say that we are justified by a part of faith, and not by it as considered essential. For we are justified by the entire grace of faith, acting in such a peculiar way and manner as others have observed. But the truth is, we need not insist on the discussion of this inquiry, for the true meaning of it is not whether anything of Christ is to be excluded from the being an object of justifying faith or of faith in our justification, but what in and of ourselves under the name of receiving Christ as our Lord and King is to be admitted unto an efficiency or conditionality in that work. As it is granted that justifying faith is the receiving of Christ, so, whatever belongs unto the person of Christ, or any office of his, or any acts in the discharge of any office, that may be reduced unto any cause of our justification, the meritorious, procuring, material, formal, or manifesting cause of it, is, so far as it does so, freely admitted to belong unto the object of justifying faith. Neither will I contend with any upon this disadvantageous stating of the question, what if Christ is to be esteemed in the object of justifying faith? And what is not so? For the thing intended is only this, whether our own obedience distinct from faith or included in it, and in like manner as faith, be the condition of our justification before God. This being that which is intended, which the other question is but invented to lead unto a compliance with, by a more spacious pretense than itself is capable of. Under those terms, it shall be examined, and no otherwise. This Reformation audio resource is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. Many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, CDs, and much more, at great discounts, are on the web at www swrb.com We can also be reached by email at 
swrb at swrb.com by phone at 780-450-3730 by fax at 780-468-1096 or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue Edmonton AB Canada T6L3T5 If you do not have a web connection, please request a free printed catalog. If you do have a web connection and would like to be added to our email list, please send an email to add at swrb.com or swrb at swrb.com with the word add in the subject line. SWRB's email list is a double opt-in list. So once you've sent us your email address, you'll be asked by email to confirm that you want to join our list using the email address you have supplied. Your email information will be kept confidential, and you can easily remove yourself from our email list by simply emailing us at swrb at swrb.com with the word remove in the subject line. Once you are on our email list, you will be alerted to all the free Reformation resources, free MP3s, free electronic books and texts, etc., that SWRB makes available on the web, as well as, at times, to our best discounts and super specials. We also encourage you to reproduce this audio resource and to pass it on to your friends. But we only authorize this as long as the full contents of the message including the header and trailer, is not altered in any way, and as long as the audio file or cassette is given away for free. Thank you again for listening to this SWRB reading. And remember that Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 states, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 concludes, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you.